We're all missing travel right now, but you know what else we're missing? Getting more. With Priceline, you can save up to 60% on your favorite hotels, and you can also get exclusive deals on car rentals and flights. And when you save more, you can do more. More, wow, mmm, and yes! Priceline knows that every trip is a big deal. So when you're ready to book your next one, visit Priceline.com for the easiest way to get more out of it. And don't forget to download the Priceline app for even more savings. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 65 of the That's So Mets podcast. And finally, some news is trickling in on the Mets everlasting search here for a president of baseball operations who is also expected to probably hire a GM under them. And on top of that, Jeremy Hefner will be back as the pitching coach as the Mets had an option on his contract that they have exercised. So some Mets news trickling in that we're going to go through today. And when they do make the hire, just a reminder, we will have an instant reaction, hoping to have a live reaction on YouTube so the audience can actually interact, ask questions, all of that. So we won't get too in the weeds on speculation right now, but we will go through some of the news and answer your questions as always. So, Joe, uh, let's get you in here, man. What's going on? Not much. It seems like we're getting uh, closer to the end of the road here as far as figuring out who's going to run the Mets. Uh, It was obviously radio silence for some time. And then over the last 48 hours, some things are starting to come out. You know, Brandon Gomes is out. Uh, Scott Harris is out. And what's interesting is Scott Harris apparently interviewed with the Mets sometime last week. So obviously we're recording on the 26th of October. So sometime last week. And we had no clue until yesterday. So I'm thinking the Mets were further along in this pursuit than maybe we were aware of. And, you know, jumping right into Mike Puma's report today from the New York Post that apparently the front runner is Milwaukee Brewers general manager Matt Arnold. And this will be a promotion for Arnold, uh, obviously from general manager to president of baseball operations. He's the number two over there underneath David Stearns. And prior to going to Milwaukee, Arnold spent quite a bit of time doing various roles with the Tampa Bay Rays under Andrew Friedman. So this is a guy, a young guy, I believe he's 42, and he has worked under two of the best executives in baseball in his last you know, two positions, David Stearns and Andrew Friedman. So to me, when you get out of that unrealistic trio of Billy Bean, Theo Epstein, and David Stearns, uh, Matt Arnold to me was probably the next best realistic option maybe Mike Chernoff ahead of him but you know he's kind of neck and neck there so if it is indeed true that Arnold is the front runner and the Mets end up hiring him I think this is a fantastic move and you know dispels 
some concern that I think is in the fan fan base as far as what the Mets were able to do here. Absolutely. So, you know, nothing official yet, but a, a clear front runner and Mike Puma, obviously a very reliable source uh, from the New York Post. So, you know, it's interesting to me, this obviously this search has gone on underground. It's something that it's not that every time they've met with someone or had interest in someone that it's been out in the news that day. It really was silent. And in you and I, as leading up to the recording of the show, we're sitting here going, wow, like, you know, we didn't necessarily expect. And luckily, this news just dropped today as we're sitting here recording on Tuesday. But we felt like we could have been doing the show without any um, new updates. And the last show was just going through potential candidates, a lot of them already eliminated. But Arnold, what is on that list of in-depth breakdowns that Joe and I went through if you want a little bit more background information on him. So there's a lot to go through here. It's it's the fact that if he is hired, I think the big question becomes not just who he is and the fact because the fact that is he qualified for this because clearly he is. I think Joe, you had said there have been expectations for quite some time that he would eventually outgrow that role in Milwaukee. But also, what could we be looking at for him bringing someone? Are there any connections? Are there is there any anything that lines up, or or do you also think that it might just be internal with the the people they have in house right now that'll work under him? Well, interestingly enough, Mike Puma also wrote an article, and in that article he said that. You know, if the Mets were to hire Arnold as president of baseball operations, it sounds as if he would potentially pluck someone from the Tampa Bay Rays to be the general manager underneath him. Um, there's a couple names, I think, to think about if that's going to happen. Uh, Peter Bendix is not one of them. He's reportedly not joining the Mets front office. Uh, so Bendix doesn't sound like an option. I thought uh, Arnold Bendix combination would have been really sweet. Uh, a couple names, obviously, Bobby Heck is a guy that was, you know, talked about as a Mets GM candidate uh, in their last search. But the name to me to watch, and this is not sourced info, this is just Joe speculating based on kind of things that are going on. Carlos Rodriguez would be a name to watch. He's uh, Tampa's vice president of player development and international scouting. And just recently, he was a finalist uh, for the Cubs GM job, which went to Carter Hawkins uh, from the Cleveland Indians to go under president of baseball operations, Jed Hoyer over in Chicago. So could you be looking at potentially uh, Matt Arnold and Carlos Rodriguez top of your front office? If so, I think that brings some diversity, not just obviously, you know, Hispanic diversity, but diversity as far as skill sets. Uh, Arnold really comes from more of an analytical background. You know, he's done professional scouting and done other things outside of analytics, but that's really one of his strong suits. Whereas obviously Rodriguez is from the player development and scouting background. So if you take someone like Rodriguez as GM and be able to pair him with, you know, uh, Jeremy Barnes and Tommy Tanis in the scouting department, I think you could really move move this farm system and this player development system to where you want it to be. And then you have Arnold at the top really running baseball operations. To me, that sounds like a, a pretty, pretty awesome duo if they're able to pull that off. But yeah, that's kind of where my head's at. You know, it's interesting also that throughout all this, I think this was also from Puma, that there were rumblings of the Mets also liking the guys they have in-house that could be elevated to some of these roles they've been looking at. And Tommy Tanis, who has been a guest on this podcast and has been uh, instrumental to the Mets 
drafting for, God, the last 10 years, I'm pretty sure we're up to now, um, you know, was brought up in that. So I think it's kind of cool that, you know, and people react, I think, negatively to in-house candidates sometimes without knowing anything about the candidate in itself. And I think quietly the Mets do have people or have had people for a long time in the building that have done a really good job with what they've been given, what they've been tasked. And I think um, Tommy is obviously somebody that has, you know, with the Mets, they've drafted really well. Now, just because they have traded away some of those prospects or a lot of those prospects in ridiculous trades or have not had resources to build up this farm system uh, is not an outlook on people like that. So I just thought it was interesting to see his name uh, get elevated in a way that we haven't seen before. And, And I think that while it's obviously important they get this higher right, the president of baseball operations and potentially a GM working under him, it's also good that there is some kind of infrastructure in place uh, within scouting and sure enough analytics eventually as well. Yeah, the Met, I mean, the Mets aren't void of good baseball people in their operations. Uh, obviously, the top of it was a bit of a disaster uh, this past year. But like you said, the scouting department's done a really good job. Uh, the player development staff, I think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic. Uh, with Jeremy Barnes. And even though Quattlebaum didn't quite work out so much as a hitting coach, uh, he's going back to the player development job that they really wanted him to have. So I think those things, and then as well as the analytics department, which they've significantly added to, and it's being led by Ben Zosmer, who they pulled in from the Dodgers. So I think the behind the scenes, like those departments are definitely making strides. Now it's just, like you said, getting the top right and then flowing that organizational chart down and, you know, moving this organization into the direction that it needs to be. And I think uh, Matt Arnold is a great candidate. So um, as a Mets fan, I'm very hopeful that this comes to fruition. Certainly. And I'm with you as well. And and speaking of that stability, um, as I said at the top of the show, Jeremy Hefner We'll be back with the team. This is something that you and I had advocated for for a while, and I'm sure there are people out there that are kind of wondering, you know, how do you necessarily keep an assistant coach without having the new manager in place? I think Hefner has more than proven his worth. He obviously had a really uh, great reputation around baseball very early on stepping into the coaching ranks, and when the Mets were able to hire him as their pitching coach, uh, it was something that a lot of people were excited about. I think overall the results were there. I think he got a lot of guys, not only on that rot- in that rotation, but in that bullpen to punch above their weight class last year. And I think that speaks to him. And it would be kind of shocking to me if there was a manager that they brought in and said, hey, I don't want Jeremy Hefner as my pitching coach. I don't think it's one of those things that uh, will deter anyone. I don't think this is a situation like in the NFL if you force the defensive coordinators to stick around and then try to hire a head coach. And that kind of thing wouldn't work. I think this was, in my opinion, personally, and, and Joe, I do think you're with me here. This just felt like a no-brainer move, especially with the continuity this team is going to have uh, with a lot of their young and veteran arms that have had success with Hefner so far. They had to keep Hefner. I, I know there was some thought early on, should he go down to the minor leagues and take over for Ricky Meinhold as kind of the director of pitching, and rather than just impact the big league roster, impact the entire organizational pitching philosophy. Uh, They obviously made the decision pitching coach was the right job for him. And, you know, I think he's one of the better pitching coaches in baseball already, and it's pretty quick for him. But one thing that I think a lot of fans aren't realizing, because I definitely have seen it on Twitter and, and places, 
how could you bring back a pitching coach when you don't have a general manager, you don't have a manager? Well, in Jeremy Hefner's case, the Mets had until the end of this month to pick up his option or he got to go to free agency. And Jeremy Heffer's not a guy you just go, oh, go test and, you know, we'll let you know. Jeremy Heffer's a guy you just lock in and, you know, I know you try not to, quote unquote, force things on managers, but nowadays it's a little different anyway. I mean, managers aren't coming in and picking their entire staff anymore. It's everything is a collaborative effort. And Jeremy Hefner is a very valuable piece of this organization. And the last thing they needed to do was wait weeks until they get a manager. Because even if they, let's hypothetically say, they hire a Matt Arnold and a GM, they do that this week. It's not like they're going to have a manager next week. There's then going to be a, a, a process of them getting acclimated to the organization, dealing with qualifying offers and you know things that are really at the forefront from a player acquisition standpoint while interviewing potential manager candidates. And at that point, I mean, Jeremy Hefner is going to get scooped up by somebody. So they made the right decision, in my opinion, pick up the option, bring him back. And, you know, like you said, whoever is the manager, I doubt was going to be like, ew, Jeremy Hefner, what's he doing here? Yeah, that was not going to be the case. I mean, you're talking about a young guy, right? He's 35 years old. He has experience now. And most importantly, he has results. I mean, let's be real. He has results for that from that job as well. So, you know, as much as this has been a really unstable time in Metsland, right? You're looking for the president of baseball operations. You're looking for really somebody of that stature to come in and take the reins completely from Sandy Alderson, which is, you know, Sandy has been a kind of a rock at this place for a long time besides the minor Brody speed bump, or should I say uh, four flat tires at once and things went completely off the tracks. But when you look at it, you know, this is a big time of transition. Uh, There are going to be a lot of decisions that really do dictate the success or lack thereof of this franchise for the next half decade. And if you have someone that you feel pretty good about, which I think most people do with Jeremy Hefner, uh, why try to reinvent the wheel and why try to rock the boat? Just keep him around. Felt like one of those no-brainer moves. Also, quietly has one of the best Twitter bios um, on all of Mets Twitter. I think we qualified Jeremy Hefner as a Mets Twitter member. His bio just simply says, expecting to win the World Series in the next three to five years. How perfect is that? Jeremy Hefner's the man. Uh, I always liked him as a pitcher. Had the bad luck of the double Tommy John surgery. And, you know, he's... He is the perfect blend of analytical knowledge and that advanced stuff that these pitchers need to take that next step. And also being young, relatable, been a big league pitcher. So he sees what these guys are going through on a day-to-day basis while also being able to portray the information that obviously the front office and everyone wants to push down to the players to help them maximize their ability. That's what... A lot of people get freaked out about analytics and things like that. All it's for is information to help maximize results. That's really all it is. And Hefner's a good conduit, I think, to kind of the organizational structure. So on top of Mike Puma's rapport, as we sit here and record the show, uh, Mike Meyer, who's who's really been on top of this search, also says, uh, according to his sources, the Mets are optimistic about their chances of getting – 
Matt Arnold from the Brewers. So those are now two guys that cover the Mets um, that are linking Matt Arnold from the Brewers to the Mets. So we'll see where this goes. Not across the finish line, by no means anything definite, but clearly this seems to be the name making the rounds. And hopefully Joe and I are on with you guys on our YouTube channel. It's that so Mets. Please subscribe. If you subscribe, you get notified right away when we have a new video, when we're going to be live, all of that fun stuff. Um, hopefully we'll be on. Hopefully it'll be this week. We will be on. I can guarantee that. But hopefully it'll be this week that that decision goes down. Get on Team Shaq with WinBet. We're playing parlays, boosting odds, and laying the wildest prop bets. Don't miss another game. Download the WinBet sports betting app today. Sign up today and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 first-time wager on a straight bet or parlay. That's $200 that you can use for all the upcoming basketball action, including the men's basketball tournament. If you bet at least $500 during the first and second round of the tournament, you can get a trip to the five-star rated Win Las Vegas. Offer subject to change, terms, and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where playthrough Winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. No matter how the last game went, anytime you take the field, you've got a shot at greatness. Give your team the best shot at winning by recruiting more MVPs with Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Start hiring right now with $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through March 31st. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. And Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and condition apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And as always, got to get into the mailbag a little bit before we close out a little bit of a shorter midweek show, knowing that the YouTube content is right around the corner. The first question from One Shining Mets. How is it possible for the Mets to improve the rotation without just running it back and hoping for better health? If they qualifying offer Noah, then the rotation is likely to Grom, Stroman slash free agent slash trade, Carrasco, Walker, Noah. Can they really just bring the same guys back after how last year played out? So I think, number one, this is a totally fair question and a really good point, right? That as much as we like the Mets pitching, I mean, let's be real. Taiwan Walker, first half was an all-star. Things obviously fell apart in the second half. But no denying that a guy that was signed to be your fifth starter had an all-star season in the first half. DeGrom uh, was on track to have the greatest pitching season of all time before getting hurt. And then, of course, the number two spot is a complete wild card. We feel slightly confident that Stroman is going to price himself out of the Mets, that that number two spot could be someone different. Carrasco, another situation based on health. Noah Syndergaard, another situation based on health. So my real quick take here, Joe, is that I think you have to make a bold play for a frontline starter. And what I mean by that is, assuming Stroman just prices himself out, I think that number two spot has to be a significantly bold acquisition that's either a trade um, or a signing, although I think I lean more towards trade because I'm not overwhelmed by the 
the big money pitching options at the front of this free agency class. And then to supplement that, this is something you and I talk about on the show almost every week. I think on the back end, you need to really juice this team up with one-year deals. I don't know if that's going to be some of the veteran options that are still pitching really well. I, I don't know if that's the same route. Obviously, something they did last year, they they had a 6th, 7th, and 8th starter basically in place, and injuries took their toll. You know, you do have the belief that you hope David Peterson can figure it out, but you don't rely on that. So I think that you you can't bet on those five, quite frankly, and you're going to have to take some risk and be really creative on how you do improve that. And improvement isn't just results. Improvement is, most importantly, reliability. So I agree with pretty much all that you said, but for the most part, they're basically going to run it back and hope for health. But where they can improve is to get deeper in the rotation so that when if injuries inevitably occur i mean let's just play you know the hypothetical that uh he or she i don't know if one shining mets is a he or she but um when they provide here stroman slash free agent slash trade i mean that's it's a little broad right are you going from marcus stroman to kevin gosman are you going from marcus stroman to max scherzer are robbie you going ray. robbie right like it's kind of a wide range there but ultimately to his point if they QO, Noah, which I expect them to do, four-fifths of the rotation is going to be the same. But where that could potentially, where it could be good, is now your sixth starter is Tyler McGill. Your seventh starter is David Peterson. Uh, if they don't, if they tender, uh, you know, it might be more of a second-half thing, but if they tender Joey Lucchese, he could fall into the depth later in the year. Uh, Jordan Yamamoto could still be under team control, so he could potentially be um, an option. But yeah, you to me, how you would improve would be just bolstering the depth. So maybe you could get someone better than David Peterson or Tyler McGill and then shift them down a spot. And then, you know, conversely, everyone else goes down a spot. Uh, but yeah, I would say the rotation is going to be mostly the same, you know, barring injury. You might be able to, like you said, replace Stroman with somebody different. But I think improving the depth is where you'll really notice the difference and that's kind of where i think things would take a step forward so that way you know if taiwan walker goes on the il for cracking a fingernail it doesn't even necessarily mean you know tommy john surgery or something major you could just go on the il for two or three weeks with something and you need at that point two three four starts from somebody and you, you just need to make sure that person that you're bringing in to make those starts is not just going to lose your baseball games Right, and I think also that question, the way it's framed, which I think is completely fair, does kind of neglect the fact that, I mean, we have to hope that Tyler McGill maybe even gets better, right? Like, he came out of nowhere last year, was tremendous considering the circumstances, and maybe McGill can be one of the better six starters in the league at, at that point, a guy that is going to be your spot starter on double headers or make a start when somebody needs, you know, a quick IL stint, like you said, Joe. So I think that's one of the glass half full aspects of that question. While the glass half empty is totally reasonable, totally justified. And unfortunately could be a team wrecker if injuries do collapse the rotation like they did. The next one from Jay Brown, rank the top three positional weak spots on the Mets roster that they need to address this offseason. 
and how will they fix it? Well, obviously, this is something that can be fluid, right, depending on what we witness with the qualifying offers and internal free agency. Uh, it can get grim pretty quick, assuming, and I am assuming, that Michael Conforto rejects the qualifying offer that I'm assuming the Mets extend to him. Corner outfield becomes pretty bad pretty quickly, I, that I might put it at number one, quite frankly. Uh, assuming that Stroman is on his way out, well, frontline starter becomes number one B. So there's two options right there. And, and then number three for me can be really fluid once again on the internal options. Like if you brought back VR on a Band-Aid kind of deal, a bridge deal, while you're waiting for one of the young puffs to come up and take over third base, I feel fine with VR at third, especially if you re-sign Javi Baez and your infield is VR, Lindor, Baez, and Pete. That's a pretty damn good infield, quite frankly, especially when you know that you have some young reinforcements behind VR for the future. Um, so, you know, with that being said, it what what if you lose loop? Uh, then, honestly, not only left-handed specialist, but just dominant reliever of your bullpen becomes 1C. I mean, those aren't really 1, 2, 3. They are all equal in my eyes. I would say frontline starter, if Stroman leaves, would probably be the clear one. But you got to get production in your lineup from corner outfield spots. And assuming that Nimmo is going to be playing center field again, we don't know what's going to happen with Dom, JD, or McNeil. And we're assuming that the Conforto era is probably over. Well, man, that's a lot of offense to plug in or a lot of offense to find. So what do you think of that, Joe? So can I count, like, outfield as two? Because they need two outfielders. Yeah, that's why it's so important, right? Yeah. I mean, Nimmo is going to be in the fold. And, you know, there's potential for Dom Smith. I, I think there's a reasonable chance that he's traded as part of a deal, maybe even to get that starting pitcher that you're speaking about. Uh, but two outfielders, probably uh, third base. And like you said, starting pitcher probably are my biggest focus spots. And, you know, they can easily bring back Marcus Stroman and call the rotation wrapped, or they could consider other free agent options. You know, I mentioned, you know, Scherzer, I don't know that he'd come to New York. He didn't seem to want to at the deadline, but you know, you always make the call and ask Kevin Gaussman, who's a guy who cannot get the qualifying qualifying offer much like Stroman. So uh, I think that's an interesting name to watch in the outfield. Starling Marte um, is a name that jumps out to me. Uh, a name that jumps out to me that I don't want them to sign is Nick Castellanos. <laughs> I don't want him in his qualifying offer for a guy that can't play defense. I'm uh, out on that too, by yeah, the way. Yeah, I mean, I'm I know he's a that. great bat, but there, there's other ways to do this. And, and another thing too, to, you know, I, I know that we're all pushing him out the door, but just because Conforto declines the qualifying offer doesn't mean you can't sign him back. I mean, Jim Duquette referenced on Baseball Night in New York on SNY last night that he thinks Conforto's ceiling of his deal is five years and maybe a, a tick over $100 million. And I mean, I, I mentioned it last week, week before, whenever it is that we got into a Conforto discussion. If I could get Michael Conforto for five years and $100 million, I'm doing it. I mean, I don't. It, you know, maybe it yeah, ends me up. Too. That's yeah. pretty, pretty low in the grand yeah. scheme of salaries ever growing. I don't know. Right. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm definitively doing it. I'm going to explore all the external options. Sure. Of but course. that that is not an eye popping deal at all for a right. yeah, starting I, right I, fielder like that. To, to me, the worry was if he was going to rival Springer money or, or, you know, get up in that hundred and fifty million dollar territory. But, you know, just because he says no and you could get a draft pick for it, you know, obviously he surely acted like someone that, 
you know, was ready to leave town with all the hugs and the goodbyes and the crying and all that doesn't sound to me like someone that's planning to be back. But you never know what a free agent market for someone like that will look like. And, you know, I wouldn't close the door on Conforto. I wouldn't either. It's not a good outfield market, number one. Now, Conforto has his flaws, and there are reasons why you would assume he's not back. But if his market is as low as that sounds, then the conversation changes because, you know, the problem, Joe, that I think you would run into, and the Mets shouldn't necessarily care about what outside voices think, but this is just, I'm just speaking to what uh, we are going to hear from the fans, and I would understand this. Say they re-sign Baez, say they sign Conforto to that exact deal, everybody's going to sit there and go, what the hell is different about this team? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's super valid. And there's a chance that they sit back and they go, we like Michael Conforto, but we need to change this up here. So take the draft pick, sign someone different and try to get, you know, similar production from somebody else and just kind of change the outlook of the team. And maybe that's where like a Starling Marte comes into play and you go, well, Conforto's getting five years. Maybe we could get Marte for four years at a slightly less AAV and then obviously a year shorter on length of a deal. And he has some flexibility to play center field, could play right. You know, I think I mentioned it on the show when we talked about Marte last. It's, you know, not exactly the same. I don't know Marte, the person, quite like how Curtis Granderson turned out, but it feels very Curtis Granderson-like where it's just like a quality player, that can play center field, that's a little older, and will have to transition to a corner at some point soon. Uh, Marte is a guy I think that would be pretty exciting, and he's also a guy that you you wouldn't lose a draft pick for. Uh, he can't get the qualifying offer because he was traded midseason. So that helps his market and potentially maybe even helps the Mets interest in him. Sure. I mean, I'm a big Marte fan, and I think he brings, once again, an element that this team has kind of lacked uh, quite frankly, when you just look at his production, he is still every bit of a speed demon on the bases and very much a great on-base kind of player. He Marte really does three things that I think this team doesn't necessarily lack but could use a significant boost in. He's very good defensively in the middle of your outfield. He steals bases and he gets on base. So, and... At his age, you probably are not committing to him for as long as a lot of other free agents. That's just the reality of the market very often. So uh, I've liked that idea since you've brought it up many shows ago, and it's one that it, it wouldn't necessarily surprise me because then you kind of maybe put less of a uh, physical demand on Nimmo in center field every day, and maybe that brings out a better brand in Nimmo playing a corner spot, staying a little bit more healthy, and obviously being that top of the lineup player that the Mets love him to be with his ability to get things going. So, the le- and we're going to, I mean, listen, we're going to do free agency every week as soon as the frontline hires are made. So, yeah, I mean, we're a week or yeah. we're like a week or two away from talking almost exclusively yeah. free agency. Yes. Yes. And, yes. I mean, just quickly on that Marte Nimmo, you know, you sign Marte, you tell him he's the center fielder in 2022. Nimmo shifts over to left, and then you need to find a right fielder. And I that that'll be an interesting discussion as to how they go about that. Yeah, I know it's it's going to bring you know obviously Conforto, Chris Bryant, Castellanos. Uh, I mean, who knows? Maybe they 
think somebody like McNeil can survive there until you give a look at Vientos down the line, if they think he could survive there. I don't know if that's a stable plan. I'm just throwing things at the wall at this point, Joe. So the last question of today's show is from Richard Simonitis. I hope I nailed that. All right. Richard is asking, why doesn't anyone want to work for the Mets? And the reason I ended with this is because we had like four variations of this question. So everybody that asked this, um, I get it. You're probably sick of reading headlines. This guy will not be coming to run the Mets. This guy turned down the Mets. Well, you have to realize with some of these, and I'll keep this rant short, is, you know, the, the media, understandably, and they have a job to do, and I get it. They're going to throw the big names at you first. So you're going to hear those names for at least a month. You heard Theo, Billy Bean, who there's literally a movie about the guy. So pretty big name. And then David Stearns, who, you know, almost kind of this uh, this next Theo looked at in some kind of sense with a New York background. And those three were very easy to sell to the fan base. But the reality of those situations were probably below 5%, honestly. I, I, for some reason, for a while, not for a while, but for a extended period of time, that number went up for me with Bean. I started to buy in that, hey, Bean might actually come here. Bean might be sick of the financial constraints in Oakland. Uh, Bean might finally be ready to move you know, from the West Coast, which has held him back for a while. And maybe that was just silly of me. But Theo, that was never happening. Stearns. That's out of the Mets' hands, and I can't express this important aspect of this rant enough. A lot of this is not people not wanting to work for the Mets, but the fact that it's not really up to them. When The way front offices are constructed across sports, for the most part, is you are... There's a lot of ways to block teams. If you're at a position of power that is above or equal to what you're hiring, well, then that organization can block. If you are not and you are in a position to get a promotion, well, that team might simply just offer you the promotion and you might like the stability of where you're at, which is kind of what you saw with a lot of the guys with the Dodgers or the Giants or things like that. So I think for this whole narrative, nobody wants to work for the Mets. Yes, it is a demanding job. It's a scary job. It is one that there's a good chance you fail because winning a World Series in baseball, which is the Mets goal that they put out there uh they've expressed which i'm happy they have as a fan that's what i want to hear but you don't hear a lot of teams necessarily do that in a time window of three to five years that is demanding and that is while not unrealistic very difficult to accomplish so can it scare off candidates because some of these guys are now in this era in their mid-30s mid-40s they have kids they have stability they like where they're at they like collecting a really healthy salary every year with a, lat- a growth ladder that's laid out in front of them rather than taking the bait on a job that they could be sitting in for two years and then you're out of the league. That can scare people. But this reality that nobody wants this job, it- it's just not true. It's not realistic. There's a long process that needs to be done to find the right candidate. And, and there's also a side of being realistic that not a lot of people are cut out for this job. So it has to be the right person. So that's my, you know, kind of too long bit on it, but I think it's kind of been overblown how nobody wants this job. I might have had a different reaction if he asked this question yesterday. <laughs> um, yeah, yesterday, it helps that we yeah, have a name yeah, out in front. Yeah, okay, it, it helps now a little <laughs> bit, but yesterday I was a, I was a, t- I was starting to get a tick annoyed when it was just, oh, you know, Harris is out. All right, Bendix is out. Okay, and it's just, all right. Well, when is something gonna fall their way? But to me, 
you know, obviously, let's see if this Matt Arnold thing comes to fruition. But if it does, to me, this was a very standard executive search. Um, you know, the Mets went for the top of the top. And what more can you ask of them? You know, they didn't get Theo Epstein, David Stearns or Billy Bean. You know, I, I think you and I both maybe talked ourselves into the possibility just out of hope. But realistically, those are always, you know, pipe dreams, sky, you know, pie in the sky type of options. So that's not to me, you know, anyone wanting to work for the Mets issue. Uh, Scott Harris, when he declined, uh, even the San Francisco Giants writer, which he has no reason to defend the Mets. There's no reason at all. And he said, you know, this has nothing to do with, you know, the Mets per se as to why uh, Scott did not want the job. Um, he's a Bay Area kid, born and raised, doesn't want to leave the Bay Area. And often with executives, and I know players, uh, you you think of players, right? Where a player just goes to the highest bidder. You know, Javi Baez will play probably whoever gives him the most money. Same for Michael Conforto. Same for Marcus Stroman. They'll probably play there. Uh, executives aren't often driven uh, by their paycheck. Obviously, they want to make a lot of money, like probably every human alive. But every executive or people that I talk to throughout the game, the focus is always on comfort, stability, family. Like that's all priority. They take that over, you know, anything else. You know, uh, Chernoff from Cleveland, he turned down the Mets last year. And it's not that he didn't want, you know, to run a baseball team. It was... His wife loves Cleveland. His family has little daughters that love Cleveland, and they have friends, and they go to school, and, you know. Dude, they're humans. Yeah. People forget this. Yeah. Executives worry about that kind of stuff much more than, oh, man, I want to win. I hate to say it. I want to win a World Series in the next three to five years. You know, I want to go to New York and turn that organization around. Like, that's, that's, there's not many people that that's the forefront of their mind where it's just like, man, I, I just want that. Um, but there's some that have that desire. And, you know, the Mets are going to hire someone here. It might be Matt Arnold. You know, who knows? By the time you listen to this podcast, if you listen on Wednesday, there may already be a report that the Mets are getting close to hiring them or whatever, something to that effect. Uh, but I don't think there's an issue of no one wanting to work for the Mets. But I do understand the perspective of it felt like there was a lot of no's, rejection, not expected to join and and things like that over the last 48 hours that I, I could understand having that frustration. Uh, but you have to see this process through and, you know, see who they ultimately ended up hiring. And, you know, if they were to pull in, you know, a Matt Arnold and Carlos Rodriguez duo, like I mentioned before, that might be almost as, as good as you could have realistically gotten. And, you know, that would be a a credit to Steve Cohen, which, by the way, very interesting. Last point on Scott Harris, obviously, because he's out of the picture. It was reported that it was Steve Cohen that had the interview with Scott Harris, and it was not, you know, a Sandy Alderson-led discussion, which I think is important and a good sign for the future and a good sign for people that had thoughts that Sandy was bungling the search or Sandy was a problem talking to these guys. It sounds as if Steve Cohen had these conversations and he was looking for the guy to report to him. So uh, pretty, you know, pretty interesting stuff to follow. But I do think it's obviously a, a little a little overblown that no one wants to work for him. And timing helps that this question wasn't yesterday. 
Absolutely. It, it certainly does. There's no doubt that it can start to, you know, you could feel down and out of, hey, like, who's going to take this job? Like, am I going to lose Joe as a podcast co-host because they're going to hire Joe into this job? And then he's just going to be <laughs> he's going to have to be the guest on the show every week because I wouldn't give him a choice. But in, in all honesty, uh, you're you're also right. There is a, a recency bias to that. And hopefully that is nearing its end. So Listen, fun show today. Um, you're going to hear a lot more from us than you usually do, at least in the amount of days you hear from us rather than just the simple once a week. So we're excited for that. Uh, Joe, any closing thoughts for episode 65? Just keep an eye on the YouTube channel, please. Uh, and we'll we'll tweet about it too, but I'm thinking that something's going to be coming sooner than later in regarding this uh, front office search. And uh, once word really gets out as far as who they're hiring, uh, Connor and I are going to hop on YouTube and like he said at the beginning of the show, I'm hoping that we can do it live so that way it's not just us going and talking for a few minutes and putting it out there. Hopefully it's more of a you know discussion where we talk about it and you all get to join in and chime and you know we can bring up your questions and you know just talk about it live. I think that's really that's been my vision of the YouTube channel being a mix of Connor and me hopping on or just one of us if one of us isn't available talk about something quick and put it out and then also the option to go live and you know we get so many questions for the mailbag I, I think I tweeted and I got you know well over 20 responses today so the amount of questions that we get I can only imagine what's going to happen when we hop on YouTube and you guys have live access to us so really excited about it and you know keep an eye out because I think that's going to be coming sooner than later all good stuff all around. Excited to actually break down a real person hired in this role of president of baseball operations and many more moves following that. As always, uh, leave questions with five-star reviews on iTunes. We really appreciate that. Subscribe to the YouTube for more and more. Thank you so much, everyone. We will catch you next week. I'm Amira Rose Davis, host of the new season of American Prodigy, all about black girls in gymnastics. My white coaches just said, you may not get the scores that you deserve because you're black. It's the story of a decades long struggle of black gymnasts trying to find and amplify their voices. I can't be the next Simone Biles. I can't be the next Dominique Dodds. I can only be the next version of myself. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts.